Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, the Beth Davis. Hey, Jenna. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You haven't finished that book yet because you were supposed to lend it to me, I think. Okay. Or was I supposed to buy one? I no, can't even remember now. Here's the thing. Well, I think at one point we talked about buying this book for the entire staff, which we didn't do. Uh-huh. And you're correct. I haven't even finished it yet. But here's the thing. Here's the problem I'm finding more and more. Mm. I am not finishing books right now. Okay. I am like so moved by something I read. I put it down. Yeah. And then I like think about it. I talk about it. I pray with it. I like think about it for a long time and I try to apply it. I can't just like take it all in. I don't think that's a problem. I'm trying not to see it as a problem. Yeah. I'm just like my capacity for being moved. It doesn't take much. You know what I mean? (laughs) So then I'm like, golly, I'm still reading like six books. What is that about you? I that don't. it doesn't take a lot to be moved. Also, I don't like that because you're very moved by some things I say. So I want to pretend like not a lot of things move you. I'm just that <laughs> deep. <laughs> okay. Let's reframe this. I think it could be that I am docile to the Holy Spirit. And that's why I'm moved by things that you say. Mm-hmm. Because. And lots of other things. <laughs> I mean, I'm not just like willy nilly crying about things. Yeah. I'm like crying about the Lord. Right. You know? Yeah. You're reading good stuff. Yeah. It's not like you're being moved by The Bachelor. No. No. I am moved by some TV. That's true. (laughs) But not like commercials usually. Can I tell you a problem? My daughters are like, mom, we can't watch anything. It is a problem. I'm like, I can't either. Totally. But I feel I, the same way. I feel like you've shared before in a Q&A about reframing it, about what we can see. Anyway, I can't find any shows. What did I say? I don't know. Now, I would love to know. Uh, I think that was it. Think about all of the things you can watch. I don't know. That's some good advice, Beth. Which is like nothing. <laughs> it's true. I know. It's crazy. So back to Sacred Rest, one of the dozen books that are sitting on my nightstand that I have not yet finished. It's pretty great. It has been life-changing, what I've read so far. Is it Catholic? No. She's a Christian. Her name is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. And uh, this book was recommended to me in a time that I was starting to feel a little burnt out. Turns out it was just the onset of COVID. (laughs) 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 But I do think the Lord worked in that, Mm -hmm. in that tiredness to bring this book my way. Because the brilliance of the book is that she outlines different kinds of rest. So oftentimes we're overwhelmed, we're depleted, we're crying all the time, we're losing our temper all the time, whatever it might be, however your burnout manifests, right? Mm -hmm. You might think the answer is a vacation or sleeping in or... A pedicure. I was going to say a pedicure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some self-care. But the problem is there are different kinds of rest Mm -hmm. and we're depleted in different ways. And so it was really helpful for me to read about those different ways so that I could attend to the burnout in my life in a 
specific way. So she outlines these different kinds of rest so that you can attend to the area where you're depleted as opposed to thinking one thing will heal it all and suddenly you'll be refreshed. I think we've all had the experience of like going on vacation and coming back like more tired, more stressed. Totally. You know? So she talks about physical rest, mental rest, emotional rest, spiritual rest, social rest, sensory rest, and creative rest. And then she gives like a checklist for like how you might be feeling. And if you have more than this many, you might be depleted in that area. And here's how to give yourself rest. Like if you need sensory rest, a vacation is not going to help you, right? You're like traveling and like taking in new things and whatever. Sensory rest, you might need to just put your phone down for a certain amount of time a day, you know? Yeah. It was just really helpful for me because I feel like I've spent like a lot of my adult life yeah, like overworked or tired or, you know what I mean? Overwhelmed. And I would like to live a more peaceful mm. life. Mm-hmm. And rest is biblical. So returning to that in an intentional way, I think we'll be healing on like multiple levels. Yeah. I think the sensory rest was my favorite one you named. Yeah. Why? Because I think I'm surrounded by lots of things that call my senses to the forefront. That's so true. Just having dinner at your house. I'm like, there are a lot of like toys that make noise, you know, like humans that make noise, (laughs) like a car on the wall. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a lot of sights and sounds and yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. But yes, I can see how your senses would be like on high alert all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been the type of person that thinks a vacation will fix anything. Well, that's where we're different. <laughs> I do think the ocean fixes everything. Well, it's interesting that you said that. But that's a sensory rest. It's not. It's creative rest, Ooh. which I thought was so cool. She talks about how, from her perspective, yeah. the way to be refreshed in your creativity is beauty. Wow. And so for her, that's nature. That's cool. But it could be for someone else, like going to an art museum. Creative rest is not about putting a demand on your creative ability. That's not rest. That's work. It's the opposite. It's allowing white space in your life and giving room for your creativity to show up. Creative rest lets you focus on your basic need for wonder. Isn't that cool? Okay. Well, I think people would argue I'm not a creative Does an average old person need creative rest? I think so. Yeah, I don't think it has to only be art. A misconception of creative rest is that it is rest solely for creative people or that it is rest that will result in a work of creativity like art, poetry, or music. If your day-to-day requires you to think outside the box, you'll be prone to be deficient in creative rest. Authors get writer's block. Musicians lose their groove. Moms lose their zest for life. Husbands forget the awe of loving well. Jobs with high demands on your creativity will require greater periods of creative rest to rejuvenate and liberate your creative juices. I think I tend to think the answer always to my lack of sacred rest Mm. is to put my phone down, which I almost think is probably the step one of all the other solutions. Like there's not necessarily a point in going out in nature if you're just going to be with your phone. 
That is so true. You know? Yeah. That's probably step one. For me, at least. Yeah, for me too. One of my favorite scenes from The Office, which I don't recommend as a show, <laughs> but I love it, is um, a bunch of the office coworkers are at mm-hmm. Trivia. And Ryan is there and he's on his phone. And they're like, hey, man, get off your phone. No phones allowed. You know, at Trivia, because you would cheat. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And he like tries to put his phone down. Then two minutes later, they're like, man, get off your phone. You're not allowed to be on your phone. They take his phone from him. And then he says, I I can't. I can't be without my phone. And he like goes and leaves the bar because he cannot be without his phone. No way. And I just think it's so true. It is true. Yeah. I have noticed like when there's a lull in conversation, people just pick up their phones. Totally. You know? In line. I was going to say exactly. Like, I have to stop myself. Yes. Like, you don't need to pick up your phone because you have a three-minute line in, in a grocery store. Yeah. You know? I'm guilty of it, too. Oh, for sure. Me, too. Yeah. Every stoplight. Like, what email can I answer right now at a stoplight? Every time I just look around in cars, everybody's just on their phone. And, I, I mean, I pick <laughs> up my phone, too, you know, at a light. And yeah. And I'm, like, changing songs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, my ability to just be... My capacity is low. Get this too. I remember when I said to Mike, Mike, you need to like learn how to rest and like recharge. Totally. Reinvigorate your zest for life. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't even know how to do that. Yeah. There's not even anything in my life that I can think of that sounds restful. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's a majority. Because mm-hmm. really my go-to is if I need a rest, put down my phone go out in nature, go for a walk. Mm -hmm. The ocean would be like the best thing. Totally. But I'm in Arizona, so there's no ocean here. But yeah, Mike doesn't have any. I remember going to confession years ago and the priest for my penance was like, you need to do something restful. Mm. And he said, TV or like just lounging, zoning out, like that's not rest. You need to do something that rejuvenates you. And TV will never do that for you. But I think we think, if I could just like get to the end of the night and watch a show. I think what we miss about rest is that rest gives energy. It's different than just like going on autopilot and zoning out. It's different than sleep or like shutting down. It actually wakes you up. Rest Mm. wakes you up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what wakes you up, Beth? You know, what was the most meaningful to me in the book was social rest. And I just realized, like, I am. Tr- I try a lot of times to attend to my overwhelm or my burnout in some of these other ways. But what I'm actually craving is, like, good, connected, spiritual conversations, laughter, just being with people that I feel at home with. Oftentimes, that's the answer to all of my lack of rest Mm. it's just being with good but intentionally spending time with people yeah not just being around people yeah what about you it's just been a really beautiful um actually beautiful is probably the wrong word bringing some tension into my marriage with mike because as we alluded to post covid yeah we were like we want to slow down yeah stay still be with the lord not be so cuckoo bananas productive. And part of that was this uh, adoption of what the Lord has always asked of us, which mm-hmm. is to keep a Sabbath. Yeah. 
And it's just, it's always so beautiful, which just doesn't always happen when you and your spouse are on the same page with something. So thankfully Mike and I are, and both very motivated to keep our Sabbath protected. Yeah. So that means saying no to birthday parties that are on our day of the Sabbath, saying no to running a lot of errands or kind of planning our week, but really getting those things done on another day instead of our Sabbath day and really just resting. But where the tension comes in is that Mike's idea of rest, as I said, is really different than mine. Mm -hmm. So it's just been really funny to see Mike's like, let's like sit down and watch a show for four hours. And I'm like, no, (laughs) that doesn't sound fun. I want to read a good book. Yeah. Be outside. Yeah. Get some sunshine. But it's just funny when, yeah, you rest in different ways or, or you are filled up in different ways. Totally. So similarly, sacred rest, even though it's not explicitly about the Sabbath, it seemed almost the natural end of exploring our need for sacred rest. It really is Sabbath. Mm. It is the answer. The Lord knows we need it. And we don't just need it once a month or, you know, like a vacation once a year. We need rest every single week. Yes. And so he built that into our schedules. And I think the reason that we are so depleted and so angry and mm. sad, you know, is that we are exhausted and it's because we're not resting we're not setting apart the time that he's asking us to rest which is on the sabbath Mm -hmm. so as i was kind of exploring like these different areas and how to work more of these kinds of rest into my life i was like i have to do this it's a commandment for goodness sake yeah you know (laughs) like how not just one of the 280 yeah right no (laughs) it's it's, in the top 10 it's in the top three right It's like kind of scary, actually. There was a reading at Mass recently that was like, if you refrain from profaning the Sabbath, like, we are not taking this seriously at all. Mm -mm. And it's not only out of, I I don't say that like out of fear of God. Sure. I say it understanding like my own limitations. It's a gift for us that he offers us Sabbath because we cannot do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's no way. And the fact that we're trying to is the reason that we're a mess, you know? Yes. Because we're trying to live by our own strength. Mm -hmm. So as I started like setting apart the Sabbath, and some Sundays are better than others, I've started just asking the Lord how to spend my time. Mm -hmm. The other day I was like driving home from mass or something. And I was like, Lord, can I get gas? (laughs) Like, cause that's an errand and mm-hmm. I didn't do it on Saturday, which is usually I try to do my more, my errands in the morning on Saturdays, but I didn't get gas. I didn't really need it. But by Sunday I did need it. And anyway, I just started like bringing all of my Sunday things into conversation with the Lord. And I notice now that when I don't Sabbath on Sundays, I am not good on Monday. <laughs> like it's not a good week. If I don't have that rest, yeah. you know, I don't want to make it sound like I have Sabbath figured out or I'm doing it totally faithfully. Mm-hmm. I do really have a sense of the Lord's like patience with this, mm. but I desire to live a set apart life on Sunday because I was set apart by God, mm. you know, and my life, my practical life, my schedule, my priorities 
should reflect that set apartness. Yeah. I remember someone or I had found that book about leisure, like Mm. sacred leisure. Okay. And how leisure is kind of like what you were talking about earlier is not so much like zoning out or watching a show or just kind of like chilling. Chilling. As opposed to leisure is thinking of things that are above, like Mm. thinking upon heavenly things. Wow. And I think it's so beautiful to think if we start our day with mass, like what an incredible way to begin that Sabbath day and to think on these things that happened during mass, Mm -hmm. the readings or the gospel or the homily or the Eucharistic prayer. I don't know, maybe just one part that we kind of ponder all day as opposed to moving to the next thing, getting the donuts and, you know, going to meet other family members for brunch and Mm -hmm. hustling around and getting our grocery shopping done when we're not actually pausing long enough to ponder what the Lord did at mass, which is the representation of his holy sacrifice. There's just like so much beauty that we can ponder at mass. And I think when it's just another thing that we do on a Sunday morning, it can very easily be glossed over. And yeah, the graces, I think from that, we can maybe miss. Mm -hmm. I noticed in myself that when Sunday is just like any other day of the week, but I have to go to mass, quote. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My way of thinking is, okay, I'm doing all of these things, and when can I fit in mass? Mm. And so I would, you know, when mass is at the end of the day, which For some people, that's like their routine. They love that. They pray well. Mm. But for me, it was like, I'm trying to get in mass. Instead of now approaching the Sabbath as a set-apart day, mass is the most important thing that I do today, and everything else flows from that. Yeah, It was making that decision to set apart Sunday and to take certain things off the table, like errands for me, that helped me to really give mass its proper place as opposed to thinking of it as one more thing I have to do today. Sometimes I end up doing something on the Sabbath that I would have considered an errand. I remember early on, I had wanted to go get a plant, and I had a bunch of errands to run on Saturday, trying to get everything ready so I could really rest on Sunday. And I was meeting up with a friend, I think, so I didn't have time to go to the nursery and get this plant. And as I was just like praying and talking to the Lord about my Sabbath, he was like, let's go get that plant. I was Mm. like, really? Is that not an errand? Can we do that? But actually, it was a really beautiful experience of communion with God. Mm. Like we talked about the plants. It sounds silly, but it was very beautiful the way he like provided and like moved my eye to certain things. And I ended up getting this one plant that was totally set apart. Like I couldn't find any other plants like this one. It fit perfectly in my pot. It was just so sweet. But if I had done it on Saturday, it would have felt like an errand. But because it was on Sunday, the exact same activity was deeply restful and was a source of like love and connection with God, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because I did it on the Sabbath as a part of my Sabbath. Yeah. I love that. What has been like the biggest fruit of you Sabbathing? You know, this is going to sound strange, but I would say the biggest fruit (laughs) is the anxiety I feel when I don't Sabbath on Sunday. The fact that I've become sensitive to not keeping the commandment is what I'm the most excited about. That's so cool. Yeah. I do love whenever the Lord convicts us of something. Totally. 
And it's like, this is actually the best fruit because he's changing me because of my conviction, because of how he's convicted me. Yeah. And it's not like shame, like, oh, totally. it's not guilt. Exactly. It's like, wow, when I'm not resting on Sunday, I'm a mess. And I was able to do that. I was able to like burn the candle at both ends before. But now it's like he's lifted a veil about the Sabbath. And now it's impossible to ignore. I'm still trying to live my old way. But the lack of peace that I feel when I just try to go about my business is very disruptive. Yeah. I think a big thing that I feel convicted about is what is God do? What is a just posture yeah. that I can have to the Lord? And he's asked this of me. And I want to give the God of the universe who created me, who created my amazing husband and my incredible children and my friends. I want to give him what he's due out of like a deep love and gratitude for my life. And a fruit of that obedience, I think, mm-hmm. is a fuller life for me. Yeah. An even more peaceful life, a life where I soak up the present moment on a Sunday that I wouldn't have seen because I do love to get my errands done, all my cleaning done, everything done on Sunday to prepare for the Monday. Yeah. And it's just been incredible to see a posture of obedience bear so much fruit in my everyday life. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. It reminds me of, there's this verse in Deuteronomy Mm. that outlines the Sabbath different than when God gives us the commandment, right? He says a little bit more uh, in Deuteronomy 5. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. When this verse came to my attention, it was like I understood for the first time that the reason that we should rejoice in taking a Sabbath, that taking a Sabbath and honoring God by setting aside our agenda and giving God what he's due and truly experiencing sacred rest is because slaves don't get a day off. Mm. When the people of Israel were enslaved for hundreds of years, they never got to rest. And then God delivered them and now they get to rest. They get to enter into God's rest. And that's, I think, the light of the Sabbath is that it's, it's not something heavy that we have to do, that it's actually a privilege that we don't have to work so hard, that we get a day off. I remember a wonderful pastor. You remember Michael Miller, who we talked to on the podcast last season. He and his wife were giving a sermon on, on the Sabbath and how they've kind of reoriented their lives around this celebration of the Sabbath and honoring God on the Sabbath. They said, like, what does the Sabbath teach us? Well, that God can do more in one day than we can do in seven days. Yes. So we don't have to work all seven days. Like, we don't have to work ourselves to the bone. If we just rest, God will do it. We give him our best all week long, and then we rest, and he does it. I've adopted that uh, line of thinking in so much in my life. Even, (laughs) I know this is a side note, but even when I think about, oh man, like I have a long way to go, or I wish so-and-so 
like was converted, knew the Lord or came, mm. like was in the church. I'm like, but the Lord could do in a split second what I could try my whole life trying to convince this person that Jesus Christ, is their Lord and savior. And he could do it in a second. Yes. Like the Lord can do what you said. The Lord can do so much in a small amount of time than our simple human minds can do. He can do more. Totally. And we, but we, uh, it's really an act of trust to take a Sabbath. Yeah. To say like, okay, I can't get it done. I'm limited. I'm exhausted. I'm trying to make this thing happen. Whatever it is, taking care of my family, my work, my inbox zero, whatever your thing is. I can't do it myself. So I'm actually going to stop and I'm going to trust God that you can do what I can't do. I'm going to just be with you and let you be God. Yeah. I'm not going to keep trying to be God by producing and striving and doing all seven days. Yeah. It's been a really beautiful thing even to like model for the girls just because I am like, I love to just get all the things done and they know that about me, but for them to see like this day is special and we do get donuts and it's a special celebration of the Lord's day. And we give this day to him um, because he asked us to, and because he will do more in this next week than we could even imagine. And aren't we like, craving that Mm. like a day to just enjoy our family and not have these pressures and not have our attention constantly being pulled away from the present moment which is what our phones and our task and to-do lists do all day like I can be here talking to you and I can be thinking about what I need to do but if that's just off the table like today Mm. is a day totally set apart there's no other option for my time than for me to be right here Mm -hmm. It sets me free. And I'm dying for that kind of freedom and rest Yes, that the Sabbath will give me. And here's the thing. I remember going on a five-day silent retreat with Father Matt Lowry. He was my director. And he said, like, how'd everything go? Like, wrapping up at the parish. So when I was a youth minister. And I said, yeah, um, like, there's still a lot to do, you know, basically. He was like, yeah, there's always going to be more work to do. That changed my life because the, the thing is, no matter my task list, my Google tasks, literally task list, <laughs> no matter how many I check off, there are still more. No matter, I mean, I, my brain will find something that I haven't done. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So unless I give myself permission to do none of that for the entire day, there's always this pressure kind of coming in from the corners, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, Jenna, what would you say to a person <laughs> Great. who thinks, I mean, this is all well and good, but this is... All a, this Sabbath talk. This is a pipe dream. This is just not compatible with my life. There's no way. It's not compatible with your life. That's what I would say. Go on. Like, no. Your yeah. life needs to change. Yes, yes. The mm-hmm. Sabbath should disrupt yes. our plan. Yes. Yes. That's good. Mm-hmm. But it's just and it's honoring. And there's great fruit when you surrender your chaotic, crazy life mm-hmm. to the Lord. You know what's crazy? To think that God's commandment is actually for our good. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Who knew? I'm not like bound. 
this isn't chaining me. It's actually setting me free. Yeah, totally. I do think it will feel heavy in the beginning mm. because you're pushing against yes. the way that you've been going. Yes. It is hard. I, I battle myself every single Sunday since we've kind of mutually been moving towards Sabbath. Mm -hmm. But again, I remember that one Sunday, I think we were, we were chatting and we both confessed, like checking our email to try to get ahead for the next day. And it was just like 10 minutes, right? 15 minutes of work at the end of the day, yeah. right? The sun's gone down, Lord, can I get a pass? And I was, I felt such anxiety. All yeah. of my peace was gone. And I think that was a grace from God to say like, no, it's the whole day. Mm. It's the whole day. And like, what a gift. I know. Okay, so how, how can we start planning for a Sabbath? Do you think that's what it takes? Well, I think it's been really cool to hear you say, you know, errands is something you used to do on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that you're now aware of. Um, and so you try to move those things to another day, whether it be Saturday or during your week. So I think the first thing is really to look at what you do on a Sunday, mm -hmm. typically. Yeah. So for me, it's a lot of like family parties, a lot of cleaning. So really just taking stock of what you typically do on a Sunday and saying, okay, that's not actually restful. It's not leisure. It's not sacred time mm -hmm. being in the present moment. I'm not being in the present moment when I'm organizing and being a crazy person. It's interesting because I think for some people, organizing would be rest totally. for them. Totally. You know? Which is why I think you have to take stock of what you yourself are doing and bring it before the Lord. Totally. Well, and just to hearken back to my little plant experience, yeah. that is an errand on one day, but with the Lord in conversation with him, it became rest. Yeah. And I think that applies to a lot of things. Like if you want to get a new dress, it would be very sweet to go shopping with the Lord and get a dress on Sunday, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. But again, it just all comes back to that discernment, I think. Yeah. And I think it will take time for other people in your life to get used to it. I think you just have to be patient with that. Mm -hmm. um, I've only just started to say no to things on Sundays with family or friends to just say like, no, we're trying to keep that day set apart and restful um, with our family. I think you yourself know what brings you rest and- And who? And who brings you rest, mm -hmm. what situations do. Again, I just think it takes, it takes time with the Lord in prayer, it takes time to know who he is, who uh, he's calling you to be, and to pay attention to your own peace. Mm -hmm. um, when you're in a certain situation, is there anxiety and a lot of fretting about, which is like how I am with organizing or working. I'm very like fretful, very stressed. Yeah. Um, as opposed to if, like you said, that's something that does bring you peace and is something you're doing with the Lord. But I think ultimately it comes back to having some prayer with the Lord outside of that and like understanding his nature and character and also to know who you are in his eyes. This has been an excellent reminder for me. Me too. To really buckle down again. Yeah. Because I think it was easier in the beginning, especially when we were coming out of kind of that, you know, long season of suffering and depleted really just from being sick and managing the chaos of life and work after being sick. There was a real urgency, I think, to figure out how to live 
a more balanced life. And, you know, people talk about work-life balance, but nothing has ever resonated with me. I've never found anything to work before I found the Sabbath. And again, I'm not doing it perfectly. I needed this just to recommit even, but when I really needed it, the Sabbath was the answer. And it was the first time that I felt any relief from just the oppressive pace of life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I think that language is really interesting, Beth, to call it the oppressive pace of life, because it is. We're we're held down by so many to dos and so many things and people and obligations, and the Sabbath frees us of that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. exciting. It is. Should we pray? Yes, please. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, thank you for coming and setting us free from the pace, from the striving. Thank you for giving us a day off, Lord, every week to remind us who you are and how much you love us and that you're working on our behalf, Lord. Would you grant us the grace right now, Lord, to make a commitment to keep holy the Sabbath, to be set apart for you, Lord, to honor you with our schedules, with our attention, with our lives, to honor you with our calendar, God. And help us, Jesus, to experience the fruit of rest, that it would become so appealing and so refreshing that we're drawn to it, that we're drawn to you each and every week. And and God, when, when we're not, <laughs> to give us the grace to fight for it, to stay true to our commitment, and to give you what you're due, because we love you, because you're so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks for holding me accountable. Ditto. Can't wait to get back on the Sabbath train. Here we go. Bye-bye. <laughs> See ya.